The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that would draft you, our loyal listeners, with the number one overall pick. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and Paul Skeens doesn't listen, so he can pound sand. But if Paul Skeens starts listening, then he can be our first pick too. Uh, This is going to be the 2023 MLB draft, at least the first 70 picks of it, recap podcast, as well as not as many thoughts on the futures game all the best futures game content or at least the good chunk of it you already heard uh, on our episode that we posted on saturday morning we encourage you to go check that out uh, but yes we are in our hotel room after the first 70 picks of the 2023 mlb draft and so we are going to begin this show by talking about that and then in the second half we're going to preview this here home run derby which when you are listening to this on monday is coming up in just a few hours but the future is now it is fresh in our heads we just got back from the football stadium here in Seattle where the draft was held on the field. Bizarre place to do it. Cool to walk out onto a football field. I've never been sure. on an NFL stadium's football field. Yes, yes. Uh, it was, you know, this this event as they've built this up during All-Star Week. It, it was in kind of a honestly fairly small theater in Denver in 2021 and then it was in LA Live downtown LA last year and now here we are uh in Lumen Field it was it was a kind of an odd setup uh but a really cool one I thought it was great there were way more fans there than there have been the last couple years um and that certainly gave some of the more interesting moments of the night which we can get into uh but yeah it was cool it was it's it's a cool event and as you all know like I I love the draft and it, it it did not disappoint there was a lot of a lot of fun stuff so I mean we can go big picture I guess we can start at the top I would like to start with the moment that happened before the first pick sure so I show up a little bit late not after the first pick but I show up <laughs> a little bit after Jordan and he's locked in doing the mock draft gobbledygook tracking all the mock drafts I'm walking around and some Mariners fan comes up to me and goes hey is Jordan here like I would love to meet Jordan and I knew that you were so locked into your craft that you had your you just had your headphones in you didn't you hadn't said a word to me I said hey man I appreciate it I'll let him know you say hi but these 10 minutes are the most vital 10 minutes of his season uh, now I feel like a standoffish uh, dickhead. No. Hey, you, if you're listening, come try to find me in the next few days. But I appreciate. I do appreciate it. I'm not saying you made the wrong call because those were a very crucial 10 minutes. Yeah. But um, I, st- I, d- I don't want to 
you know, be that that not unapproachable. You know, <laughs> to how, like, even you. I know, but like you know, part of Ipe's job is to make sure Shohei feels comfortable. Yeah, that's uh, how I feel about you. All right, well, I appreciate that. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the the mock drafts, of course, are fun to track. We all knew they were all going to be wrong this year, uh, but. Uh, what we did know, I think what was the most fun part, and I think an obvious place to start, is that for months it has been clear that five players have stood out among the rest in what is one of the better, you know, deeper draft classes we've had in a long time. But even down to the seconds leading up to Ken Griffey Jr. announcing the first pick, which is of course cool, uh, we didn't know the order of those top five picks. And even that's, oh, maybe Minnesota or something else. But those five players did indeed go to the first five picks, but not necessarily in the order we expected. So we have Paul Skeens, number one to Pittsburgh, Dylan Cruz, number two to Washington Nationals, Max Clark, number three to Detroit, maybe the most surprising one, Wyatt Langford falls to four in Texas, and Walker Jenkins, the North Carolina, uh, uh, just, I mean... What a house of a human. <laughs> I mean, they showed him. I, I use, well, Twins fans will see him in person. They'll be like, oh my God, that is a high schooler. Walker Jenkins goes number five. Um, of the top five, uh, just general takeaways here. Skeens, baby. He did it. He, we did it, Joe. We all did it. We it, did it, Paul. We thought, it, w- would the Pirates, okay, maybe we'll go a little under slot. They get Here's too scared I- to take a picture. They were like, no, this is the guy. This is the guy. It was always the guy. No, I guess it wasn't always the guy. Probably but- wasn't always the guy. And what's so interesting about this circumstance, right, is heading into the year, if I had asked you on February 1st, who's going to be the first pick and what percentage would you put on it? You would have said Dylan Cruz and you probably would have put it around 55. Oh, February 1st, I would have put it at 85. 85. Yeah. Okay. April 1st. Well, hold up. Yeah. 85%. Yeah. Before the season, it's at 85 or 90. Yeah. And then Dylan Cruz went out. And won the Golden Spikes Award for the best player in the country. Hit 400 for months. Was incredible. Hit 500 for months. 500 (laughs) for months. He lived up to the hype. They win the national championship. And he falls. Now, he falls (laughs) to number two. But he doesn't fall here as much as Skeen Rockets. And I think that is important to understand. Mm -hmm. What we have in this draft is abnormal. Mm -hmm. It is bizarre. It is notable that we have these two teammates, teammates one and two. That has never happened before. Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer went one and three. We Everyone knows how much they loved each other, right? And so to have Skeens and Cruz go one and two is awesome. But you're right. Like the modern thought here is you don't draft a pitcher with the first pick. Why? It's risky. And if you look at the last, you know, handful of pitchers drafted first overall, not a not the best track record ever, right? Yeah, I mean, I, it's more just. Be, I, I think it was even less about just you know taking a pitcher one one. We've seen Strasburg, we've seen Garrett Cole, but those are the, the recent ones. It's more about we've when also you have, seen Luke Hochevert. Yeah, we've seen Brady. No, I know, I know. It, well, yes, but it, it, and it's when you have these generational alternatives that are not alternatives; they're great picks, and that's what Dylan Cruz is. That's what Wyan Lagford is, right? Or could it could have been? And so there, I don't think there. I mean. Ultimately, there will be a wrong answer. We will not know for many years, right? Right now, you could make a great case for all three of these guys. Um, and, you know, Langford's the one that ends up going four. Quickly on Cruz, uh, <laughs> that's got to be feeling great, right? I mean, they it sounded like they, I mean, all the reporting leading up to it was that they wanted Skeens more than Cruz, which I always found interesting. But at that point, it was, you know, easiest pick in the world. And the Tigers is where it gets interesting. 
Uh, and I think well, everybody quickly on Cruza too, right? Yeah. So if <laughs> there is a, a chance that on the Pirates' talent rankings, if they're ranking the best players in the draft, Cruz was still one. Cruz was still one. Yep. And Cruz was asking for such a high number from the Pirates that they wanted to save money. Remember that means. And we, when we say save money, think about it as the word reallocation. Yes. I think that's a better way to think totally, about it. Totally agree. They thought it was a better value to reallocate the rest of that money elsewhere in the draft. But Cruz gave that high number to the Pirates, in part, probably. His agent is Scott Boris. And Scott Boris and Nats GM Mike Rizzo are BFFLs. And there are so The learners, many, too. And the learners, and Probably too. even more so than, the, than Rizzo. Right. And so... I would imagine Boris felt like he get the most money for Cruz from the Nats at two, and he will succeed in no that, what. I'm sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we'll see how his development goes, but I still feel great about that. I think he's going to be awesome. Quickly, one more thing on, on Skeens. You just mentioned, right? Pitchers are going first overall. So it's it's just fascinating when you look at this decade. The Pirates 21 years ago had the number one pick, and they took Brian Bullington, and he stunk. Number one overall. Then you have Luke Hochavier, as you mentioned. The Royals in 20... 2006. <laughs> and then you have the run of David Price in 07, yep. Strasburg in 09, yep. and Garrett Cole in 2011. Love it. No I notes. mean, that's all three of them are going to be, well, Strasburg, not going to get to 40 war, but, you know, uh, <laughs> certainly on pace. And then since then, it was Appel. Mark Appel to the Astros in 2012. Yep. 2013. 2013. Brady Aiken. To the Astros in 2014. Okay. Does not sign. And then Casey Mize. Casey Mize to the Tigers in 2018. 18. Not um, great. Yeah. Very interesting how there's not a lot. I guess Casey Mize is the closest thing to like in between. <laughs> Maybe. But even still, right? I mean, he got hurt and he hasn't been much. So I there's mean, again, a reason see, that it doesn't happen more often, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But we're all rooting for skins. And I'm glad. I mean, he, he certainly earned it. And it'll be very cool to watch Clark at three uh certainly compelling I mean we shouldn't be too shocked like again he's he is a hell of a freaking player and he's was been considered best player high school player for a while and him and Jenkins both great picks but I think everyone just assumed Detroit was going college yep and apparently not what's interesting about the Clark pick to me there's two things one is about Clark one's about the Tigers I think the biggest issue a lot of Tigers fans have had with the front office under the former regime is that there was no grand plan, that they did not target certain things, that it never felt like there was a blueprint the Tigers were following. And whether or not you think Clark is the, quote, right pick, them selecting him over Lankford is an indication that new GM, Scott Harris, and his scouting department has some sort of plan, some sort of attributes that they prefer in players that they think they can develop better than other people, and that Max Clark fits into that plan, that I'm for. Yeah. Like anything that shows intent from them is good. And then about Clark. So we've talked about Clark being this ball of charisma and uber famous for a baseball player's age. But as a player, he's not really that guy. It's more of a some of the parts type yeah. vibe. He is a... I, I think I wrote like a jack of all trades, master of none. And that's not an insult. Right. If he's an average player at every single thing, he's a great player. Now, the power potential um, is maybe a little bit above average and the hitting ability is a little bit above average. And you know, like he has tools. I'm not saying he doesn't have tools, 
But it's not as if he has a light tower raw or he's no, an 80 no. runner or it's a no shit incredible glove and center or it's, you know, an elite, elite generational high school hitter. Mm. He's not any of those things, but he is all of the good things, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I think you're underselling him a little bit as, from a, hitter. The, for, as a hitter, just from the just, just the tracker that, that he's had. But generally, I think you're right. If there's not one thing that's like, oh, my God, this is one thing. Um but it is also what makes him a great player is that there's there's no weakness. You're not you're not complaining about really right. anything in the game. And that's for a center fielder who was proven against top competition in the summer for basically three straight years. Like that's how you get to the third be the third pick. My favorite Clark thing is that the Tigers tweeted out his high school stats. Now, I think we talked about this last episode. Max Clark is from Franklin, Indiana, mm-hmm. which is not exactly a powder keg of prep baseball maybe it will be talent. now <laughs> maybe this is the beginning of something magical the tigers tweeted out his high school stats i just want to read them this is his career four years 551 batting average 713 obp 119 hits 120 runs 21 bombs three-time gatorade indiana player of the year awesome so i went i like the idea that there's a tigers fan like man i don't know about this pick oh he had a 713 in franklin indiana i uh i um saw max clark play i went and saw him play a game and when you watch the you know the kind of competition and i i saw him face a i think i saw what three four at bats and yeah i mean just like it's a combination like the OBPs. Obviously, there's a good number of people that are going to be terrified to pitch to him. But at the same time, like you still have to execute and you can say, oh, well, it's easy. You know, they're all throwing whatever. But like, first of all, it's below the hitting speed that he's been doing for all for the whole summer. And then to be so selective and you basically think about it from the standpoint of you treat Barry Bonds where it's like you're going to get one pitch in this game or you're going to get two pitches in this game and you better freaking crush them. And that's basically what he did for four straight years. <laughs> so that's really all you can ask there. And uh, and that's why he is going third and, and also cool because he gets to uh, stay relatively, relatively local. You know, there were some rumors about him maybe falling to seven to Cincinnati, which would have been even closer, but Detroit is not too far away. So I think that'll be a really, really cool for him because he, he very much for all the the personality and seeming like someone who is a lot more famous than being from Franklin, Indiana, he cares a lot about where he's from. Like he is very, very, very proud of being from that area and staying connected to that area. And I think it's cool that he should have the opportunity to just keep doing that. Uh, number four pick, Wyatt Langford, Florida outfielder going to the Rangers. Langford was certainly in the mix at one. I think right before the draft, you said out loud, Wyatt Langford, 45%. Around there going number one. Yeah. Right. And the thought process there is they the pirates probably could have saved the most money with a talent Mm -hmm. who was not far off from the other two. Mm -hmm. And that remains the case. I think when we went to Omaha and we saw Langford in person, I was more impressed with him relative to my expectations than Cruz. And that is because statistically Langford went blow for blow with Cruz all year long in the SEC. If you look at the numbers. Right. Yeah. And seeing him at that 456-foot home run in person, which is the longest homer in the history of the College World Series, a place that is difficult to launch nukes in, that to me was just an eye-popping, world-changing moment where I thought, oh, yeah, he could go he could go one, yeah. right? And the Rangers snag him at four? Yeah, they got to be they got to be feeling really, really, really good there, uh, making that pick ultimately. 
pretty easy, honestly, because we really assume those three college guys would go to the top. And again, if you want to hear kind of more about that, you can go back and listen to our draft pre- preview, how we feel specifically about all five of those those top five guys. And then Jenkins goes five to Minnesota. And um, I mean, yeah, like I, I, my takeaway from this one was thoughts, oh, maybe they'll spread it out. They'll go college. The Twins were the luckiest team in the world to even be in this situation. They came into the draft lottery, the first ever draft lottery, with the 13th best odds to get a top pick. And they end up in the top five in a draft that has five elite players. And so it's, I have to imagine at some point they were just like, what are we doing? Like, we we lucked into this situation. Let's just take the guy who's obviously in the top five. And I love what they did later on in the draft, too, um, with Charlie Soto and Luke Kieschel. So really like the Twins draft a lot. So that's the top. That's the top five. Let's just pick out some other picks, some other selections that we liked that stood out to us. Other narratives of the draft, other notable happenings of the night. We're not going to go blow by blow, pick by pick from here. Where do you want to kind of fast forward to? Yeah, I mean, we. I think the main theme in the first round was all these college guys. Just a huge run of college guys in the teens. So many high school shortstop. We we wondered what the order would they what they were going to go. Ultimately, Arjun Namala, one of the more fascinating players in the draft, seventeen um, year old in Tampa area, who is uh, his parents are from India. His parents moved here from India uh, right before he was born, two thousand two. Whole all of his family still in India, and he's just one of the higher upside high school players in the draft. And the Blue Jays get him at twenty. You know, rumors of him going as high as ten. So definitely some swing and miss there, but like upside wise, very few players like him. So super excited about that. And then obviously, like you know, the Mariners had four picks. It was cool to see them take three high schoolers. I was pretty happy with that. And I think I'm sure people want to know how you felt about the Orioles pick. And let's talk, let's talk about Bradfield because I think of that run of college guys, him going to Baltimore was probably the most fascinating. Correct. Who is Enrique Bradfield Jr.? He is the fastest man in college baseball, or at least he was this past year. That sounds pretty sweet. He's but also, also in a, doesn't sound like someone the Orioles would pick. Doesn't sound like <laughs> someone the Orioles would pick. He's the only player in the draft with 280 tools, 80 glove and center, 80 runner as a hitter. He has more strength than I think a lot of people give him credit for, but there are legitimate reasons to be concerned about how much punch he's going to have against elite pitching at the big league level. Now, he was a great performer in the SEC. Yeah, that's the thing. For three years. When he swung the bat, he didn't do a lot of damage, but he really knows when to swing the bat. And that's why he drew a shit ton of walks. And he knows. He's like, listen... My game is getting on base and then doing my damage. Correct. Because it's going to be easier for me to walk and steal second than it is for me to hit a double. <laughs> you know what I always say, Jordan? If you're fast, what? Walks are? Walks are doubles. <laughs> if you're fast, walks are doubles, baby. <laughs> I see. That logic is terrible. Thanks. But for Bradfield, it's like this is the this is literally where it applies. Walks are doubles. <laughs> so so uh, the f- this is a great example of when a certain team drafts a certain player, it slightly changes the way you think about that player because of what that team is skilled at developing. Mm -hmm. So we know that the Orioles are incredible at taking hitters and teaching them how to hit, right? And turning them into top prospects and into big league legitimate hitters. And so if they believe that they can turn Bradfield into one of those guys, I am inclined to believe them. We can sit here and analyze the draft as much as we want. These teams know more than us about all of these players, Mm -hmm. even the picks we disagree with, right? Totally. And so I am willing to give the Orioles in this situation 
as the best hitting development organization in the world, the benefit of the doubt with Bradfield. So I'm really excited to see what he turns into. Totally fair. A couple other drafts that I liked, and then we should get to the Astros (laughs) pick situation. (laughs) Um, I really liked, you you just mentioned, okay, so Orioles are great at hitting. We're going to trust who they're picking and they're going to develop them. The Marlins have earned that on the pitching side. And for them to take arguably the two best high school pitchers in the draft, Noble Meyer at 10, Thomas White at 35, and then take Kemp Alderman. That was probably who is maybe has some of the, maybe arguably has the most raw power in the entire draft, at least based on some of the exit velo numbers uh, out of Ole Miss. Really fun player. One of my favorite college hitters. So loved kind of that balance of that, of that draft class. And yeah, I'm trying to think of some. Oh, we should mention the the Angels pick was pretty fascinating at, at 11, taking Nolan Shanuel, a guy who, if you look at his numbers, it's like holy shit, this is, has to be one of the best hitters in the country. I think he did deserve to be in consideration for the Golden Spikes, even. But he's done it at a mid major level. He wasn't great on the Cape, and he was I, awful on the Cape. Well, he yeah, he reached the base and just didn't hit for any power. I mean, it was it was not it was not a great showing. Uh, but what he did this year was the spring was just unbelievable. And the thought was he would probably go in, in maybe the 15 to 20, 25 range. Instead, he goes 11 to the Angels. And what we've seen from them for the last few years is let's just get these guys to the big leagues as quick as possible. In theory, this is the kind of guy that should move pretty quickly. But also there's huge pressure on it. But also it's like, I just wondered, I was so curious what their draft strategy would be <laughs> as it relates to Otani. Because everything involves with their team building is with that. And it's like, okay, yeah, I understand rushing guys to the big leagues as quickly as possible if they can help to for Otani's last year, in theory. Get in there tomorrow. Yeah, but like, I mean, you're not... Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> like I, mean, I, just, I wanted to like, take like, a guy and just send him to the big leagues in a week with that they had available with their pick. Well, but you probably take what? like. Well, you could you take Waldrop. You could take Taylor. like a pitcher. No, but see, it would have to be a pitcher. But okay, so last year they took Zach Neto, right? And they sent him to double A. I guess they sent him to high A briefly. And then he was in double A that summer, last summer. And then obviously in the big leagues this year. I imagine they're going to send Chanuel to Rocket City. Maybe double in like a. two weeks. Double A. And then like, but the but the thing is, is like with the guy like him, you're gonna know pretty quickly, because if he hit like that on the Cape, I worry that he's gonna go. Double yeah. A is a lot different than Conference USA, <laughs> and so like mm, Conference I, US Double A, yeah, very different. And so like if they want to rush him, like that could that could backfire hard. But if they believe in him, I mean, we'll we'll see, man. They've I mean they they nailed Neto, but also I think they got lucky with him that he was even there at their pick anyway. Anyway. Um, that was definitely it. If you want to pick one other pick in the first round that you wanted to mention before we get to the Astros pick, because I think that was certainly the funniest moment of the night. Certainly the funniest moment of the night. I want to talk about Chase Dolander at nine mm. to the Rockies. Chase Dolander heading into the year in the mix to go two behind Dylan Cruz, right? Sure. And why? So special fastball, dominant last year at Tennessee as a sophomore transfer guy. With legit breaking stuff. Wow. Okay. This year, the secondary stuff backs up like crazy. The slider looks like shit basically all season. As a junior, he runs a 4-7 ERA for Tennessee. Yeah, not not great. And stays healthy. And the thought process with him is he's fixable. Right? He, I, I can fix him, Jordan. But you know who I don't think can fix him is the Rockies. The Rockies have not shown an ability to develop any pitching homegrown, bring it up to the big leagues, 
And so I feel bad for Chase Dolander today. Maybe I'm underselling the Rockies development staff. Like they're not total dodos. Maybe Chase Dolander can do it on his own. Maybe he can go work out with um, Red Louder, <laughs> and Louder can teach him how to, how to throw a slider again. But I think if if he had been taken by the Reds, I'd be like, they are going to figure this out in ten minutes. Right. But with the Rockies, I'm skeptical. And it's just a really important way to remember that draft like identifying talent is one thing the rockies are good at that developing that talent is a different skill set now they need to work together because you need to know what you're good at doing that's why the marlins took another fucking pitcher but the rockies draft makes me a little bit skeptical yeah and then the only other one they've been really good at hit at yeah really good at developing his uh chase dolander's teammate jordan beck uh, is they'll be reunited in the minors um he's been doing really well sterling thompson another pick recently it's been been really hitting well so and they have some other guy even internationally too they've done quite well um so they they are weirdly doing some things right but long way to go in a lot of other respects the one other one from the first one we have to mention is Bryce Eldridge, the high schooler from Virginia, announced as a two-way player. Second straight year that the Giants drafted a first-round guy that they announced as a two-way player. And Reggie Crawford, we did last year, but he was from the college level who was doing it. He had proven himself as an excellent hitter at the D1 level and a, and a pitcher who could really get guys out, Team USA. Bryce Eldridge is from a high school in Virginia. So the talent, the raw talent's clearly there. He's a six-seven, just giant physical kid. I think most teams like Demore as a hitter, but I'm fascinated how how we develop someone from that point, not like Reggie Crawford, who is a little bit older and, and you could feel a little bit safer with, with at least the ability to handle both ways. And there's a chance that Eldridge's bat is quicker to develop than his arm, mm-hmm. and that complicates what level you put him at. Because if he yeah. needs to be in double A as a hitter, but he's still in low A, as a pitcher, right. what are you going to do? You can't I mean, shuttle it, right, them back and forth. Right, right. That's probably more of a problem for a couple of years from now. Um, obviously, as a yeah. high schooler, I, w- I wouldn't expect him to even get to affiliate ball this year. But just fascinated to see what, what this really looks like from a developmental standpoint. All right, let's talk about the Astros pick, Jordan. Yes. So big crowd of Mariners fans out there. Oh, I, quickly, the A's pick. We get a sell the team chant during the A's yep. pick, which was lit. There was one fan in an A's jersey screaming sell the team, and he got other folks to join in shouts out to that guy i'd say 17 percent chance that that person listens to the pod (laughs) interesting i love that 17 percent chance anyway astros pick um up walks manfred with the uh 28th 28th last pick of the first round 28th pick in the draft right well and, and it was it was great right because he's getting booed every pick yeah but we're building up to the last pick of the first round, which is the Astros. It's perfect. It's like we were practicing all night. And before the pick is announced. We, I shouldn't say we. We weren't booing. No, we don't boo. <laughs> we, we don't, don't boo, boo, we don't boo anybody. <laughs> but it's felt like the crowd was working on it. Like, okay, I'll do a little bit of booze here. 20 of the Blue Jays. All right, we'll boom a little bit, a little bit more with the Braves. And then here we go. 28, it's our time to shine. And right before Manfred walks out, the screen at the draft, plays the video of the Jordan Alvarez walk-off home run in game one of the ALDS this past season against the Mariners. And the crowd just gives, they're giving hell. They're booing up a storm. Manfred walks out and the energy is already there. They've already been pissed at the Astros. They've gotten the crowd riled up. So Manfred walks up there with 20th big, and they're booing him and it's so loud. He can't talk over the booze. And then mid-pick, he gives a little face to the crowd, like a paternal, 
Really? You're going to do that? He's like, it almost, he like kind of flinches or winces. It was like very, he said, right, with 20th pick, the Astros select, pause, uh, uh, Bryce Matthews. And this was unfortunate because I love Bryce Matthews. I put him in my top 30 rankings. I thought he was a perfect fit for anybody in this range. And I'm very sad he's going to be on the team that is going to be kicking the Mariners' ass in the future. I think one of the most athletic college players in the draft, shortstop, could probably play center field. Just a really, really fun player. Went 20-20 this year for the Cornhuskers. Uh, and tough for Bryce Matthews because <laughs> he didn't he didn't ask for that. Uh, and especially funny because um, the Astros tweeted out the clip of <laughs> Manfred announcing it with all the boos, which... Part of me is actually not surprised because they have embraced it, especially the Astros social media, which I disagree with a lot of those tweet choices. But um, I feel like that's part of it because they didn't have to post that clip. They could have just posted a graphic that said Bryce Matthews was on the Astros. No, Bryce Matthews, remember, freshman in high school in 2017 when the Astros were really cheap. (laughs) I think he's he's a Texas guy. I don't know if he is from Houston. I'm actually curious about that. So he's a cheater too. He's but, been a oh yeah, cheater. he's yeah, exactly. That he he supported that. Unbelievable. That's the draft. We have a lot more thoughts on it. We both wrote on the draft tonight over at Fox Sports. Make sure you check that out. We, if you want to know more about the players specifically, listen to our draft preview. If you want to know the ins and outs of who your team drafted, send us an email. Yeah, if or you have tweet questions, at us. Like you- if you want to know about your players and you feel like you're being underserved, mm-hmm. info wise with the draft. Just reach out to us, tweet at us, DM us, email us, and I promise you, Jordan will get back to you. Can't speak for myself. Uh, Bryce Matthews, Atascacita High School, just northeast of Houston. So, yeah, Bryce Matthews. Okay, I'm sure that's very cool for him. Uh, All right. So those guys we just talked about, Jordan, are future futures gamers. Let's let's hope so. And what we're going to do is go back into the past a little bit more. And talk about the Futures game, which happened not today, but yesterday. Not for you listening, it's Monday. So two days ago on Saturday, Futures game at T-Mobile Park. The game itself is kind of wimpy and unentertaining, to be honest with you. I, mean, I once lose you make interest. It, once you make a game seven innings, you're already, you're, you're already telling us you don't care that much. Right. And so I actually find it difficult to stay focused on that game. However, for us, and this is selfish and stupid... Being there pregame BP is awesome. You get a really good sense for the physicality of certain players and you can compare them really well. Lawrence Butler, A's prospect, looks like he should be an NFL wide receiver right now. Jacob Mizorowski looks like a street sign. You know what I mean? There's a big variety in how these guys look and to have them all in the same place is very helpful. From the game itself, Jordan, we'll talk about you meeting Felix Hernandez pregame in a second. Whoa, yeah. Whoa, teaser. From the game, what did you like? Uh, first of all, totally agree with you. And obviously, the other important part is everything we did on Friday, which is getting to know them as people. And we hope you – we got a lot of good feedback on that episode. And hopefully, we'll be able to roll out more of those interviews in the coming days and weeks. So we're glad you enjoyed those. Um, so getting to know these just them as personalities was cool too. But I totally agree with you about the physicality and being like, oh, wow, he's way smaller. That makes me more impressed or less impressed or whatever, all these different things. 
Uh, it's one thing, Jacob Mizrowski. Anyone that was at the Futures game, that's really probably going to be the only thing you really remember from it because it was five to nothing and there was no home runs and there was, it just wasn't much. Jacob Mizrowski is a pitching prospect for the Milwaukee Brewers. He is a string bean. He is tall. He is as lanky as it gets. He's basically you, but stretched five out. inches taller. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, but I mean, when it you say loose, whippy, projectable, all those things, but it's like when you say projectable, it's like holy shit! How much more? Don't we project, project anything. He's, he's throwing a, right now. He's literally throwing 102. Every single fastball was 100 miles an hour. The off-speed stuff was not off-speed. It was, I guess, it technically was off-speed, but it was like 92 mile an hour cutters, and he's throwing. It he was could just pitch in a big league bullpen right now with that fastball. 100. percent Yeah. He and and I don't know why he's still in a ball. There's no that makes no sense. And the command's kind of all over the place. Interesting background, like he was even skinnier in high school, and so no one was really comfortable taking him out of high school. Goes to junior college, was dominant there, but again, the command was all over the place, but he has been dialing it in, and oh my God, like there's usually one or two every Futures game, not just the hardest throwers, but this one inning of stuff. This was uh, one of the more unbelievable Futures game performances I've, I've seen from the depth of Arsenal and just kind of how overpowering he looked. Friend of the show, Adam McKelvey, who is the beat writer for the Milwaukee Brewers at MLB.com, walks into like the draft media hut earlier and people were coming up to him being like, yo, Mizorowski's crazy. It was like a parent coming to like a school performance and people being like, your child is so talented. You should be so proud. That's how I feel about all Brewers past and past and future for Adam McKelvey. Uh, but yeah, so I don't. I mean, I, it's it was one of those things where like he could get big league outs now. Like I don't know what the future is for that guy, but if he can stay healthy, holy shit! So that was really, really it. Literally nothing else to to say about the game. So let's talk about what happened before the game. So you met Felix Hernandez, Jordan. Yeah, I gotta jump ahead. Gotta jump ahead. I mean, obviously, there's a few different ways to tell the story. So basically, Felix is obviously around this weekend. He's in the celebrity softball game. He homered in the celebrity softball game. Very exciting. And he was one of the assistant. You know, for the futures game, one. This is one of the cool parts of the futures game is they basically assemble these like all star coaching staffs of guys to just hang out for the players to talk to during the game and be. They're not really coaches, but it's just like here are a bunch of legends from this team, or even not even necessarily from the Mariners, but just a lot of them, right? And of course, Griffey's been around all all these futures games. To, have to just be in the dugout during the game. It's cool. It's, it's a no-brainer. It's a smart thing for MLB. And Felix was a, an obvious pick um, to be that. And so before the game, we're on field uh, during BP. And we are talking to Jacob Mizrowski and Mick Abel. So we're talking to them. And then eventually uh, our good friend Kevin Slowey. Yes, who, former big yes. league pitcher Kevin Slowey. And Kevin Slowey, who is a, a very important member of the MLB Players Association now on the uh, leadership side, uh, just one of the best people. And that guy rules. he is so the best. Hard. And so we've been very lucky to get to know him, and he's been very kind to us over the years. And so we're chatting up with Kevin, talking about all kinds of random stuff. And then Felix Hernandez uh, emerges. King, King Felix <laughs> emerges. And he walks. He's like walking down. From the left field foul line yes. towards the third base dugout. Mm -hmm. And Jordan's back. He's in full uniform. Full right? uniform. Because he's ready to coach. And Jordan's back is to Felix. And yes. you're mid-conversation with Slowey. Yes. And I'm like, Jordan, I need you to turn around. Jordan, I need you to turn around. Right. I need you to turn Very around. Very subtle. Very subtle. Turn yes. around, Jordan. And you turn around and Felix is three feet away from you. 
tattooed on the neck as clear as day. Yeah, that was definitely him. If you're, you're saying that like, yeah, no, that was definitely Is that him? him? No, he's got the neck tattoo. That was him. So he walks by and it's like, okay, well, you have to meet him. And so what did you say to Kevin Slowey? So um, he, uh, how should I, how should I say? So basically he stands over there. Uh, so he goes over by um, and he stands with Dan Otero. They're on the dugout railing. Yes, yes. And Dan Otero is uh, just as generic of a, of a big league reliever. He's wearing a Mariners hat, which is confusing because he's never actually pitched for the Mariners. But he's all the all the coaching staff wearing Mariners. And he now works for MLB as well. He's, he's in the MLB leadership. But very generic reliever, pitched for the A's in Cleveland. And I, I know Dan Otero. And... I just look over and I say, I say, and and I'm and you know Kevin. I think Kevin knows. He knows I, I'm a Mariners fan. He knows I like Phillips, whatever. And Kevin's like, "Do you want to meet Otero?" He's like, "Do you want to meet Dan Otero?" I was like, "Yes." I was like, Dan Otero's the reason I'm a Mariners fan. <laughs> He's like, "Okay, let's go meet him." And Kevin's the best because he knows what's going on. So he just brings me over and he's like, "Dan, here, this is Jordan." <laughs> and he's standing right next to Felix. And then he's like, oh, you please. know, when you meet multiple people yes. and you have to meet both of them, if you're meeting one of them, <laughs> yes. that was exactly this, except the other was Felix. Yes. And so I say, oh, yes. And say, oh, yeah, no, Felix, hey, no, nice to meet you. Dan, Dan, Dan. Wow. Um, <laughs> and so then it's like, OK, so like in a situation like this, I mean, you've met Cal Ripken, right? Uh, we meet, we've been fortunate enough to meet people that we look up to, whatever, or, or important people in our baseball lives. And it's like you basically have a few options, right? Because. When I came to All-Star Week, I was like, I guess there's a chance I could meet Felix Jimenez for the first time. Like, it wasn't like I was totally out of the realm, but you know, you don't know what situation it's going right. to be in, right? And so the options are, you know, say like, oh, don't meet your heroes, whatever. Is like, how can I guarantee a positive interaction? Is it to say, oh my God, you're my favorite player? In my head, no. It's what is Felix going to say to that? <laughs> right. Thanks, bro. Right. I'm not like I he's not people have told him that before. Like, I, I just want to have a positive, funny interaction with Felix Hernandez. And so I said, hey, Felix, like you're coaching, like you going to do a mound visit. So like, <laughs> what's the mound visit look like? Like, what is that? What does that look like? And he made a joke about, you know, coaching his little league team. It's like, yeah, I go out there and tell him to throw strikes. <laughs> he, had to, he had to take his 14-year-old kid out of a game. Right, right. And I was like, yeah, like, that's what they told you to do, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that, yes, they did. And I was like, yo, Felix, you got to get ejected today. Yeah, we got to get first ever Futures game ejection. Maybe we, lit. We got to see that. And and then he said, he told us, he told us he's only been ejected one time ever, which we got to go, we got to go find that game. And, and There was also something great about hearing Felix Hernandez <laughs> cursing up a storm. Right. All the stories we just recounted, he's just throwing F bombs in there like it's nothing. And it's just, it's the best. I know. And so obviously I'm geeking out. Um, but it was cool. But then it's also, it's just like, you know what? Let's not push it. I, this has already yes. been a positive interaction. And we said, you know what, Felix, good luck. We said, hey, good luck in the Homer, uh, good luck in the celebrity softball game. Go hit one out, you know, like off Johan Santana. And he did hit a homer in the softball game. Very cool. And he was swarmed with media all day, right? So it's like, we're not going to go double dip. And I was like, you know what? Don't was, overstay your welcome. I was like, you know what? That was great. And so it was very cool. Very cool to meet Felix. What were we going to do? You know, give him your digits? No, it doesn't matter, right? I was like, that we like we won. It was a successful interaction. So uh, I'm glad you were uh, a part of that. I'm glad you got to see that. Um, I do kind of wish someone took a picture, but that's not anybody's fault. Uh, I took a picture of him later that you're okay. not in. Okay. Well, if maybe. you want that, I can Photoshop right, nice. some things. I'll have to ask for like the T-Mobile Park security footage and give them the timestamps to be like, hey, yeah. do you have this? <laughs> anyway, uh, this is very cool. So that was the highlight of the Futures game. Nothing to do with the Futures game. All right, Jake. 
We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to preview the 2023 Home Run Derby. Eight players will be taking the field on Monday night and hitting home runs over the fence, mostly the left field fence. (laughs) And we're going to talk all about it right after this. This is former PGA Tour winner Smiley Kaufman, host of The Smiley Show, a SiriusXM podcast. You want to know what I love about golf? I get to talk to some really cool people. I get to walk the fairways of the best courses in the world with the best players in the world, and I get to share it with you every single week. Listen to The Smiley Show right now on Stitcher, Pandora, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Smiley, S-M-Y-L-I-E. And welcome back to Baseball Barbercast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And it is time for the 2023 Ding Dong Jamboree presented by T-Mobile, also known as the Home Run Derby. You know how it works. Eight big boys head on into the ball yard and whoever ding dongs the most times gets a big trophy and a towel from Big Poppy. Yes, and he'll we'll open see. your Gatorade I, for you to boot. I am very curious who will be on Gatorade and towel duty. That'll be great. That's that's one of my favorite parts, honestly, of any derby is which teammates. This we probably could have done this prep. Although I'm realizing um Pete is, I guess, here. Oh no, Kodai Senga. <laughs> Senga's gonna come out. He doesn't have any other teammates because they didn't add Nimmo. So we'll see who's gonna help Pete. All right, so here, let's give you the I bracket. I would say that having Nemo as a hype man is worse than being alone. Great point. Uh, that's so funny. Uh, this is the bracket. And again, it was set, I guess, based on the number of home runs at a certain point. Correct. When it, I believe when the field was finalized. Yeah. Now, I do want to say briefly before we continue. This is my favorite night of the baseball year. Every year. It is the only thing we have in the sport that exists because it rules. Yes, it makes money for ESPN. And yes, it makes money for the league, whatever. There is real, really no winner. You win it. You make the player get some money. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It exists because it's rad as shit. Right. And in the world of hyper efficiency that baseball is in right now, where everything is about squeezing winning and value, it's the night of a dong. No, it's a dong night. Right. Let's just and that's have fun. Great. Let's have a good time. Uh, okay. So let's break this down. Number one seed. Luis Robert Jr. taking on the underdog, the eight seed Adley Rutschman. UMBC. Adley Rutschman, yes. Um, all these matchups are, whatever. It's a great field, so the matchups are going to be good no matter what. Adley is important, one, because he's on the Orioles and he's a catcher and he's a he is a switch hitter and he is from the Pacific Northwest. But the switch hitter part is interesting because we assume he will be hitting left handed. And we hope he will be hitting left-handed. He practiced left-handed. He practiced left-handed. So let's just say he's going to be hitting left-handed, but he will be the only one hitting left-handed. I believe it is the first time since 2014 or 16 that we've only had one, whenever it was Justin Morneau, um, that we've only had one left-handed hitter in the Derby. And while the ballpark, it's not like it is a particularly favorable towards either side, I just don't like this from an aesthetic standpoint. I wish there was more balance in where the baseballs were going, especially because in T-Mobile Park, in left field, of course, we'll all talk about, you know, can someone hit it out? The upper deck is great. Down there, there's not that many seats. Like, most of the balls are just going to go into the bullpen. 
which is just kind of lame from a spectator standpoint. It'll still like, be cool on TV, but um, whereas all the seats are in right field, right? So like that's a little disappointing. Also, it just means Zach Campbell can go to left field and he's going like, to kill someone out there. <laughs> yeah. So not looking forward to that. Anyway, talk about Adley, then I'll talk about Louis Robert. So Adley Rushman, I have a story coming out at Fox tomorrow, but a home run he hit at T-Mobile Park. Oh, I guess it's coming out today. Sorry. I hope my, so. <laughs> my days are all but we'll see. It'll be up at some point. Uh, a home run he hit at T-Mobile Park when he was in college at Oregon State against Max Meyer, who's the number three overall pick. He hit it off the windows in right field, which is not a place a lot of home runs go. That is also a good point about right field at T-Mobile, which is that that deck is back. There are some decks where the upper deck has an overhang, like in Minnesota. If you hit it to the third deck in Minnesota, it's amazing, but it it does jut out, right? Whereas in Cleveland or in Seattle, there's the inner bowl that goes back to the concourse, and then there's the upper deck. So when you hit it to that upper deck, you're hitting it another 60 feet past the fence, and you're hitting it up. So we'll see how much Adley can pepper that spot. That's where we're going to be sitting. So yes. I'm amped for that. Yes, that is the auxiliary press box. So uh, Adley will hopefully be putting on a show, and obviously you'll be pulling for him. And who's throwing Adley? Dadley. Dad, Dad, Dadley Rutschman. Adley's Dadley. Randy. Randy. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's also not throwing to Randy Rosarena. No, at least as far as we know. Yeah. Uh, Louis Robert Jr. Will be the number one seed because he has a lot of home runs. He's hit a ton of home runs over the last few weeks. I'm interested in him. He has hit some absolutely crazy homers. What is interesting with him is that more than basically everybody else in the field, except Mookie, and Mookie's very interesting, he does not ever look like he's swinging very hard. And I don't know if that is a an advantage or maybe not what we need when you need to be hitting a lot of home runs in a short amount of time, but his power comes easy. Uh, but I could also see him just like popping a bunch of balls up <laughs> like that. That he feels like that could be an issue there. But his raw juice is pretty nuts. Like he has had yeah. some pretty crazy home runs. He has the biggest delta between what he could be and what he might not do. Yeah. He could hit a shitload of balls 460. I think he's my pick to hit one out of the stadium altogether. I think he hits the furthest home run of the night, and I think Adley beats him. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Let's move on to the 2 7 Actually, matchup. Mm, damn. It's okay. No one's going to get mad at you for picking Adley. Two okay. versus seven. We don't have to do, we'll do full picks at the end. Pete Alonso versus Julio Rodriguez. Pete Alonso back for more for his fourth derby. How many guys have done four derbies? That's a short list. Uh, he's back. He lost last year to Julio. Yikes. And now here they are back at it again with the white vans. And Julio Rodriguez, who does not have that many home runs, he's the seventh seed and has not been that good this season. But we all knew he was going to do it after coming close last year against Juan Soto. He will, he's going to be great. I'm not worried. I think he'll be awesome. I mean, there's something, oh, he's, you know, it's going to be more pressure on him. Like, this is like, this is his shit. Like, I think he'll be awesome. Now, it doesn't mean he's definitely going to beat Pete because I think Pete's going to be pissed and I think Pete is going to be. No one in the history of the sport has ever cared more about the Derby and taking it more seriously than Pete Alonso. It is super fucking dorky. It is super dweeby. 
and I love every minute of it. I both because it's genuine. Like that is Pete Alonso, and that's why like we can make fun of him when he's lifting weights, you know, in between his rounds. Because it's like, dude, relax. We're trying to have a good time, but also I'm like, hell yeah, that's great. <laughs> and so it's right. taking it this seriously. It's the guy at karaoke trying to hit all the notes on per. You know, like he's doing runs and karaoke. He's trying to it's be great. perfect. It's great. Uh, but we've seen both these guys before, so we kind of know what it looks like, and I think they'll both be great. The game changer here, Dave Jouse, who has thrown to Pete the last two seasons, who kind of went viral for being automatic for his middle of his own BP, not throwing to him. This year, uh, Pete selected some high uh, childhood coach of his from Florida, so we'll see how that goes. I'm going to take Julio. Uh, same. Mookie Betts. Not much left for him to accomplish in this in this baseball life, uh, and here it is. He apparently was persuaded by his lovely wife, who said, "Hey, Mookie, you should do this. This is fun." He's like, "All right, well, I've yes, done everything else. Yes, sure, babe. Uh, I'm bored. Let's do it." Uh, so My he's doing the home run derby. Girlfriend's never said that to me, but also, <laughs> but also, um, Mookie Betts has a lot of home runs. <laughs> Mookie Betts <laughs> is leading the National League in slugging. He has been absolutely unbelievable. And what will be fascinating is how does it translate in a derby setting? Because Mookie Betts, you could argue, has the most impressive game power (laughs) relative to his raw power of any player in the league, right? When you go for what is actualized into power production versus like how far can he actually physically hit it? It's him, right? I mean, I guess you could say Altuve to some degree. Jose Ramirez is one where it's like he can't hit it 450, but it doesn't matter because he's still going to hit. He might hit 50 fucking home runs this year. But as a derby contestant, this will be fascinating because he's so damn good at baseball and he's so damn competitive that he very well could figure out a way to just hit 80 home runs directly into the left field bullpen just to the same spot over and over and just win it very methodical fashion. Here's the problem, though. You need the long balls to yes. win it now. What is it, 440? Get They've the changed bonus. it. They it was 430. It the- I don't know if it's 430 or 440, but, but either way, like, if you not need- that he's incapable, but he just doesn't do that that often. And I know the balls will probably be a little juice, whatever, but it's it's true. Like, you need that bonus round, that bonus time. It's so important. And... All of these other guys are comfortably capable of doing that. And Mookie's capable, but it's not a lock. And so that is where he could run into some trouble. And who's he facing off against? Uh, Vlad Jr. I'm so excited to see Vlad Jr. back in the Derby. Because as lucky as we've been to see so many amazing Derby performances since we since our first one in 2016, the Vlad, Vlad in Cleveland, even though he didn't win, oh. was just... Beyond spectacular. My second favorite behind Bryce at home. Bryce yes. at home winning, even though it wasn't the same level of dominant or the announcing of to the world that Vlad was. The moment of of Bryce winning in D.C. Sure. was so sick. Sure. I agree with that. But as far as what the what it actually looked like. Yeah. Him, obviously judge in 17, stand in 16. Him and Jock um, going back to back. I don't remember? know. What was that guy's name? Yoannis Cespedes? He was pretty he good. He was sick. Um, Vlad Jr. is just, oh my God. So I'm so excited he's back. I was honestly skeptical that he would do it again. But as people have pointed out, it's like, what are you going to fuck up his swing? Like the whole problem is that he's hitting the ball into the ground. <laughs> like maybe this will help him hit more home runs. This is great. 
Get the launch angle up. So this is practice. Yeah, exactly. And to prove that it's practice, who is throwing to him? <laughs> his manager, John Schneider. Who was not his manager when he did it in 2019. He was his, was he still in the minors? I believe so. I think he was still the double A manager or at least the bench coach. I don't know. Obviously, wasn't the manager. But John Schneider's like, hell yeah, let's do it. I'll go, I'll go throw to him. I'll Love fly that. out to Seattle. Love that. And honestly, we've kind of given John Schneider shit uh, recently because he's- For getting rid of the- Getting rid of the home run jacket yeah. and giving quotes about how it's like, now it's time to grow up and be serious. And like, it's about doing the little things and blah, blah, blah. And whereas that got in the Blue Jays so far, not that far. But- um, This is cool. This is great. This is great. And it's not it's not shocking. It's not like clearly him and Vlad are, are, are tight, right? So- uh, Vlad is going to crush Mookie. I think he's going to do that. Yeah, I think Mookie he'll have like a run. Again, like I said, he oh, hits like seven cute. in a row, and Vlad's Vlad's not coming back to do this. To like he's he's man. Okay, all right. Uh, let's get to our final matchup. Four five. Adolis Garcia, Randy Rosarena. Two Cubans out, enter. Two Cubans, one can leave. Luis Robert. We'll see how long he lasts. Uh, which is cool to have three Cubans in this event. Obviously, well, I guess um, two and a half. Uh, two and a half, I guess. Yes, right. Randy Rosarena and his his his, his Mexican. Well, so he'll probably I probably will be. I would not be surprised if he's still rolling up with the Mexican flag <laughs> during this derby because we know that he is indeed a showman of showmen, and that is what is I think I'm fascinated with with Randy because nobody knows how to entertain a crowd more than this man. At the same time, if we strictly focus on his his uh, candidacy as a home run derby contestant. I'm a little skeptical because he also, in terms of his home runs, like all the home runs in in the postseason, like he's got real juice, right? But if we're if we're ranking raw power in this field, he might be seventh. Well, he might be sixth. I mean, like so much of it is how are you getting to your your raw power? Yeah. And what makes Pete incredible, even though I picked against him, what makes Pete incredible is that he's not swinging hard every time. Yeah, he is swinging very. I guess he's yeah, he hard. is, but he's not swinging his hardest every time. Randy. This is why Judge was incredible because when Judge won, he was just fucking popping balls yeah. up, Oppo, and they were going out because he's Aaron Judge. And the, we have seen and Judge never looks like he's swinging hard. Judge never looks like he's swinging hard. And the reason that we don't have a lot of high effort swingers doing well in it, like Javi Baez did it and was like not good and. I guess Yoannis was pretty high effort. Yeah, but it's about it's about rhythm. It is totally about rhythm. And that's where but it's interesting. We've seen versions. Of, I mean, Vlad just got into it and it's just there's different styles. And but Randy's going, fucking swinging, man. That dude's swinging so hard and I could see him getting a little tired, but I'm not going to bet, bet against him. I mean, the dude's just unbelievable. Who's going first in this group? Him or or, or Adolis? What do you mean? Who's hitting first? I don't remember how they, if it's the top seed. Adolis is the four seed. So okay, I, so then I'll take him because if he's, if Adolis hits second, I'll take him. This is true. If Randy hits second, I'll take him because I think whatever Randy needs, he'll get there. He's a showman. Like he's going to be like, <laughs> right. like he'll have a run. He'll get the crowd going. He'll get there. Right, right, right. But if he goes first, doesn't know the number I'm to set. Garcia. I think Garcia, again, we're not betting on this. I don't know what the odds are. I, from for a long time early in the season, I was like, this dude should be in a freaking derby. And um, I think he could be outstanding. Um, but him versus Randy, super fun. I, I understand they're 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 pretty tight, so that'll be that'll be cool. But all these matchups are are fantastic. Let's run through our picks here again quickly. Uh Robert or Rutschman? Robert. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm going to go Robert too. I'll take. I'll take. I want to bet against J Rod. I'm I'm scared of Pete though. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Julio. I'll go Julio Vlad. I think we're all on the same page for this for the first Julio round. Vlad Garcia. Yeah. So then, who do we got? So then we've got. If we're on the same page at the first round, then it'll be Robert versus Garcia, and Julio versus Vlad. So who you got there? Vlad and Robert. Vlad and Robert. I will take Garcia. I will take Garcia and Julio, and I will take. I'm just going our Adolis. I really like Adolis. El Bombi, man. That guy's okay. awesome. So uh, Vlad for me. Yeah. Vlad's going to win. Yeah. Vlad could tell. Ugh. I think I'm rooting for Vlad, the second most behind Julio. Yeah, let's talk about those rankings quickly. Okay. Um, I really like all of these players. But Mookie you, and Pete are Mookie, obviously at the bottom. Who's at the bottom? <laughs> Mookie and Pete. Pete's at the bottom. I disagree. Really? Yeah. Well, well why do we need to see? I mean, he's... I, Okay, who's at the bottom for you? I like the idea of Pete being the no doubt, undisputed consensus derby guy. And to do that, he has to win two more. Because Griffey had three, Pete has two. And if Pete wins, I'd be like, he's then he'll do it again. If Pete wins, he'll do it again. But if he loses, he might not do it again. Does that make sense? We're getting towards a situation where it's like with like LeBron, where it's like, yeah, but he lost so many finals. Yeah, but he was in the (laughs) he's lost so many derbies. Um, My rankings from the top down of who I want to win. Yeah, I think the most is Julio because of what it would be. Yeah, and right, exactly in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's my first answer. I'll go Julio, Adley. Yeah. Mm. Julio, Vlad, Adley, Robert, Randy, Garcia, uh, Pete Garcia, and then Mookie. I'm going. Julio. What does Mookie need this for? He's got everything else. <laughs> I know. I'm going Julio, Vlad, Adley. Randy's definitely my four because he's just like him yeah. winning this. It's just would like be jump into the so crowd. crazy. Uh, and then Robert Garcia, pretty similar. And then Pete and Mookie. Um, but, Who do you think is going to win? Let us know. Yeah, I'm curious what people know. think. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's end this podcast. Let's go to bed. Uh, thank you all for listening. Again, if you have more draft thoughts, draft questions, let us know. You can email us, baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this in the morning. He's certainly not awake right now, but he's going to get this up for you guys as soon as possible. Uh, Thank you all for the support. Everyone that has come out and said that they like the podcast, really appreciate it. Say hi if you see us at T-Mobile Park over the next couple of days. Um, But otherwise, we hope you appreciate this. I don't know exactly when the next pod will be, but hopefully it will be soon. Probably soon. Probably after the Derby, but we will see. Uh, But until then, thank you all for listening. Enjoy the dingers and uh, adios. Serious XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.